It's about raising money and spending it wisely and partnering with smart money, not just partnering with people who are writing checks, but partnering with people that can also get you in front of the right people, partnering with people that have been where you want to go. So they've already scaled the company to $200 million and they understand how to build layers and systems and all of those things that are going to get you from 30 million to 200 million. What's up? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. What is up, Thrive Fam? CJ Finley here again with another episode of the Thrive on Life podcast. And today I have one of my best friends in the house, Mr. Eric Hinman. How are you doing today, Eric? I'm doing awesome. Do I have any chalk on my face or <laughs> chalk on my hands right now? No, was... you're you're looking you're looking primed uh, for this podcast. You have a Tasmanian Devil shirt on. Let's start there. Yeah, Sarah's, where where did you get that shirt from? Sarah's been crushing it with the vintage finds. So at least once a week, my girlfriend Sarah she goes on a little vintage shopping spree. And she's found this store called Never Knew that she really likes. And anyone that comes and visits us in Austin, she takes there. And uh, she just surprised me with this shirt about a week ago. And it's really dope. But I found, what else? A Garfield shirt there. Um, I have this really cool one with a bunny riding a motorcycle. And I found a Pantera, which I liked Pantera in my teen years. You what probably, is Pantera? Yeah, Pantera is probably not your generation. Uh, <laughs> Pantera is heavy metal music, which I was really into in high school. Um, some of their songs we would come out to for basketball uh, games. So it's just like a heavy metal band, kind of Metallica, but they didn't have the lasting power of Metallica. Hell yeah. Well, it looks great. I'm happy to have you here. And I'd love to kick off the show, starting with your time here in Austin. So if you follow Eric at all, he resides in Colorado. He crushes it in the mountains and in the gym. And we've been so fortunate enough to have you here in Austin, Texas this winter. And I wanted to start with why did you decide to change your environment and spend the winter here in Austin, Texas? Yeah. So one of the biggest things I like talking about is how your environment dictates your reality. And in Colorado, reality is amazing. It's filled with outdoor recreation and endurance sports. And I have incredible friends there, but we're about 20 minutes outside of the city. So we don't really partake all that much in city life anymore. And I kind of started to miss a little bit of city life. I mean, there's no shortage of people that come to our house for contrast therapy and to work out. And I have no shortage of friends to go biking and running and outdoor recreating with. But I feel like Austin has become the mecca of this blend of wellness entrepreneurs, wellness lifestyle athletes, wellness investors, boutique gyms, social fitness clubs, new media personalities, and the people who run 
the content behind all of this new media. And I've gotten more and more into the space of all of those things the last five years. And I know that the people I'm around are really going to dictate my outcomes in life. So I could just keep having fun in Colorado and mountain biking every day and playing. But if I want to build a business around this personal brand and the you know media that I've created, and if I want to advance in media, doing more longer form content, then I knew Austin was really the place to be. But you know that was second to I have like you, so many wonderful friends here in Austin. You know, we met, I think, a couple of years ago, and you introduced me to a ton of people here. And the last few trips to Austin, I've just been like, fuck, I want to stay longer. <laughs> Let's extend our trip, Sarah. And we have, like, our last two years of coming here, each time we've extended the trips here. So that means something to me. That means that I'm having perfect days. I'm having flow state conversations. I'm able to get in the same routine that I have in Colorado here just with new interesting people. And I told you this before we jumped on the podcast, my text messages have quadrupled since I've been here. Like there's so much going on and there's so much excitement and there's so many people looking to build things with you. And there's so many people looking to do podcasts and shoot content and develop businesses and invest in brands and start new brands. So that was really the big draw here was just the excitement of rubbing shoulders with all of the people that are doing cool things in the wellness space here. And, you know, also like Lady Bird Lake is magical. Having that right in the middle of the city to run and to bike and pickleball is huge here. I've really enjoyed playing pickleball with people. Um, the ease of getting around in Austin is wild for how big of a city it is. You know, last night going to dinner at 6.30 p.m., we went across town and it took seven minutes. You know, that's unheard of in most cities. So, you know, all of these different things really drew us to Austin. And Sarah and I were kind of looking for a place to split time so that we could switch it up a little bit. And that's why we picked here. Hell of a response. And I agree with everything that you said there. And the, the beauty of the people here that I found is I haven't been able to hang out with you as much as I would have liked this winter because I have other priorities and responsibilities in my life this time around when you're here. But you can interchange people into the environment and you get the same result. That's what I found. So like a place like Squatch or you've been going to On It and a bunch of other places, there's so many great people that no matter what envir like sub-environment you are here in Austin, it tends to bring the same type of people around where you're going to end this, get the same feeling and the same result at the end of the day. And that's really what I love about it because like this weekend we did that event where Sam flew in, Jack flew in, and you have people that are flying in that are just almost like adding the cherry on top to the experience because that happens every weekend. You were talking about before you jumped on this podcast that it just feels like a party every day because new people are coming, new brands are being cultivated. And that's what's really kept me here since 2017 is like I had that feeling since day one. And it's almost like a drug. It, it literally makes you feel alive. And I love that aspect of it. But there's something that I've actually never asked you and you, you talked about it. Most people know that you're into fitness and I've worked out with Eric. He's somebody, if you want to level up in all areas of health, you want to hang around him and people like him, they're going to challenge you to find your limit each and every day. But you mentioned media and if you're listening to this now, Eric was on the podcast in 2021. I'll put that episode in the show notes. I highly recommend going back 
and listening to it, he'll go through his progression in the fitness world. But what about the progression in the media and content like you're talking about? What initially attracted you to, we know why you love health and wellness and the brands in health and wellness, but what attracts you to the media side and the content creation side of that, those businesses and your personal brand? So in 2009, 2010, I started a software company with a business partner. It was called App Fury, and then later turned into, into a company called Rounded. And I did that from 2009 until 2014. And we hired and then partnered with a number of Syracuse University students who are really savvy with user interface design, software development. And just by being around them and their energy and you know what they were using in college, it really took me back 10 years and um, I got exposed to what the younger generation was doing from them. So, you know, I mean, during that time period, I was at South by Southwest every year. So from 2010 to 2014, I came for the technology portion of South by Southwest. I was an early user of Foursquare and Yelp and, you know, all of some of these things don't even exist anymore. But, you know, those were some of the big ones back then. Instagram, I think, came out in like 2010, 2009, something like that. And I probably posted my first picture fairly soon after the, the app launched. And I was on other social networks. I mean, Vine was a thing for a bit and I'm trying to think of what some of the other ones were. Foursquare was a big one for me. I used Foursquare for years. I thought that was great of just like... I've never you, even heard of that. What is that? <laughs> yeah, it was a place where you could check into venues and you could also create lists of your favorite spots in different cities. So I had like all of the places I went to in Austin, all of the places I went to in New York and LA and Miami, all of my favorite restaurants and gyms. And I would put them in like different lists, but it allowed your friends to see where you were. And if your friends were going to Austin, they could see where their friends have checked into. So you would get this curation of, oh, wow, like CJ goes to Die Dewey all the time and he goes to Squatch. So the people you follow on Foursquare, you could see where they checked in. So it really curated your list of things you would want to do based on what your friends were doing. Incredible app. So I really like that because before that I was in property and casualty insurance. I wasn't really in the software um, media world at all. And through that, you know, I got into the software world and, you know, influencer marketing kind of started to blossom around 2014, 2015, 2016. And my first real aha moment was when Oakley invited me to spectate the Ironman World Championships in 2016 and product test and promote some new sunglasses they were coming out with. And, you know, that's when I realized, I think I had a following of 10,000 then. That was when I realized that marketing dollars were going to start being allocated towards people with these niche followings and that all of us were going to start becoming, you know, marketing. We were going to be our own little billboards. And when stories came out on Instagram, all of a sudden we have an opportunity to broadcast our own reality TV show. So it really gave everyone this ability to create content that, they deemed interesting or valuable and generate awareness. And then marketing is always going to pay for awareness wherever it is. You know, it obviously started with radio and then billboards and then TV. And now it's all on our phones and everyone has that ability to generate awareness where marketing dollars will flow. So uh, after that Oakley experience, I bought a really nice camera and I started to learn photography 
uh, more like creativity around photography of depth of fields and lighting and how to shoot captivating photos because this was before video was really a thing. And then after stories came out, I started creating more video and started to learn how to shoot cinematic videos and how to get more comfortable talking point of view to the camera, which was really awkward at first. And, you know, the more I did it, sets and reps of anything is how you get good at it. And I started to really find my way with video. And, you know, now the next stage is longer form video. Like, I feel like I understand how... I can still live my life and just document it in a way that it doesn't feel too intrusive. Like I, I want to be present with people and I want to be present in what I'm doing. I don't want social media to get in the way of those things. So, you know, Instagram has worked well for me where it's just like short snips throughout the day. And then, you know, I can do a voiceover later on in the day or put cool music over it or think about a concept that would reach um, a, a large demographic. But longer form media, I haven't really figured out how to do it for myself where it doesn't intrude in the things I want to do every single day. So that's one of the reasons why I'm here in Austin is I just want to see how a lot of these, you know, longer form media creators are managing work with lifestyle and not allowing it to be too intrusive. And I'm still trying to find how that looks for me. But yeah, that was how I initially got into it was kind of software first. And then social media started really hitting in 2012, 13, 14. And then 2015, 16 is when I started thinking of, you know, my page as a personal brand and how can I add value? How can I evoke emotion? How can I structure brand deal partnerships? How can I monetize this? And, you know, now it's like, how can I be a consultant to really build brands? That's what I want to be known for is he's the guy that build brand, builds brands. He's the guy that takes a brand from, you know, a startup stage to 10, 10 million in revenue. That's really what I want to be known for now. Yeah. And that's where the long form is really going to help with that. If you can figure that out, because I've had a, I've struggled from a similar thing and that's why I've looked to you as like a mentor in ways where you won't sacrifice your lifestyle for producing that longer form piece of content and being in Austin. Like I've seen, I've seen it all when it comes to content creators and, and entrepreneurs and some of them, they make their life waking up and thinking of the content they want to produce, which that's their life. They can choose if that makes them happy, but I've never been happy doing that. I wake up thinking like, who am I going to hang out with that day? What problems am I going to solve? And then how do I just document that whatever I'm doing, that lifestyle through content, that's kind of how I've operated. And you've just mastered doing it at scale. That's where it, it, it blows my mind where if you're working out with Eric or you're doing something throughout the day with Eric, you, you are pretty, you're pretty much the most present, but also able to get the most done also in the day because you're just like sneaking these shots that like you don't even notice in the beginning, was there any friction around that? Because you have it dialed now where you live your life and then you're recording the content throughout the day and you're you're still present throughout that day and you're just creating those snips. But was there any friction in the beginning of learning it? Because I feel like a lot of people out there, when they think of producing content or getting into media, the friction ultimately is they don't want to whip their phone out in any moment. Like, Was that the case for you or did you just immediately just pick up the phone and just start going at it? No, I mean, it's kind of like public speaking where I think it's awkward for most at the start, but the more you do it, the better you get at it. 
And also the more you do it, the more you attract that energy into your life and you attract those people into your life. So, you know, training at squatch or training at on it, those are environments where everyone is doing that. So you don't feel uncomfortable, but I wouldn't have gotten to that place if I didn't start doing it on my own and didn't attract those people and those opportunities into my life. Uh, but talking to, talking to the camera video is definitely really awkward at first. Cause you're kind of judging yourself as you're talking and you're like, this seems kind of narcissistic of like just talking to a camera all the time. And I figured out ways to find value in doing that through all of the messages I've gotten from people of like, Oh, thanks for sharing your story or thanks for sharing that workout or thanks for sharing, you know, why you're running less and lifting more. Thanks for sharing about zone two heart rate training. You know, the more, the more you share, the more you realize that we're all learning from each other. And historically, that hasn't really been the case. It's been more the people with the big marketing budgets are who you learn from because they can crowd your eyes with all of the billboards and the radio waves and the TV. And now all of us have a voice. All of us can broadcast content. And that's really how I get my news is all of my news is coming from the people I follow on social media. I don't really pay attention to any mainstream news anymore. So that's a massive opportunity that has changed over time. Uh, and then I guess I've done this enough to understand what to shoot throughout the day that is going to make for a captivating video. And I also, I know what hits for my audience and what hits to attract a new audience. And a lot of that for me is my journey. You know, that is something very unique to me. No one else can tell my story. No one else has had my journey. So that's a lot of what I'm sharing. And I've realized that I went narrow and deep early on, which I think is the best way to start with social media, be known for something. And early on for me, it was being known as an Ironman triathlete that was balancing, you know, various businesses and, and had bigger biceps than most Ironman triathletes. So I had a little bit of a look going for me as well. And now it's much more broad of, I just want to share how I got from where I was to where I am now. So where I was in my mid twenties to where I am now in my forties. And that's something that a lot of people can resonate with. People in their twenties resonate with it. People in their thirties resonate with it. People in their forties resonate with it. So all of a sudden I'm reaching a much broader demographic by just sharing things around my wellness journey and how they've impacted other aspects of like my life, how they've aspect impacted business opportunities, emotional well-being, friendships, relationships, attracting opportunities, and also having like lots of mental clarity to get a lot of shit done every single day. So that is really the message that I broadcast now. And the other hack for me in getting a lot of stuff done is I time everything around wellness. Like I know that I am not operating at my full potential if I don't get a really good morning workout in. And then I time any kind of cognitive tasks after that morning workout. I don't try to like shuffle through things first thing in the morning when, you know, I might not have as much clarity. And after 6 p.m., 7 p.m., I'm generally winding down. I don't do anything super productive at that time but I make sure that that three hour window from 10.30 until 1.30, I'm just cranking stuff out because my mind is on fire from that morning workout. And then I know I have about three, three and a half hours of like super cognition. And then I need another boost in endorphins. So I get outside and I do 60 minutes of aerobic training of which I'm also documenting stuff during that. And then I have another two or three hours of cognitive tasks after that workout. So I time block things so that I'm most productive after doing something that makes me super productive. Yeah, you're basing your days off of what your ultimate capacity is, like N equals one, meaning 
you're taking yourself as an individual and what works best for you. And I think most people are operating in the opposite. They're just getting thrown into a system and they don't ask like, what is actually the best for me? What time of day do I work out the best? What time of day do I produce the greatest work? What time of day would be great for me to relax? And you've, I mean, watching you do that is you do it day in and day out. And it's really cool to watch. But there's something that you said there where you did maybe niche down in the beginning with the the Ironman and triathlon, but you had so many other experiences to pull from where you were talking about you were in software, you were in insurance. And I think that, especially when it comes to media and content creation, especially as people younger and younger get into media and content creation, like you can't fake time. Like Eric had lived a portion of his life and had a ton of experiences even before you got into Iron Man to then lean on to tell the story of how he was even Iron Man training while he had these other past experiences. And I think that's something that a lot of people, they try to speed time up, but the reality is like, go do shit. Matt Choi talks about this, like go do shit, film the shit, share it. Like that really is what it is, but you can't film stuff that you're not actually doing. It's like very hard and inauthentic to like tell stories that you never even have been through. So you've been really good at focusing on like, what can I actually do? And we were just talking about before we even got on this episode where you're looking to build a home here in, in Austin and then what are your travels coming up and the things that you're doing in 2024. It's not like, what are you filming in 2024? It's like, what am I actually trying to achieve? So I wanted to just bring that to the attention of anybody that's listening. And one of the things that I think you do really well is sticking to that schedule that you have throughout the day. How do you say no? Like, how do you define what you should or shouldn't be doing? Because you'd mentioned that you're getting the quadruple amount of text messages and the opportunities are abundant. But how does someone of your stature who I'm sure is getting thousands of DMs a month, text messages, phone calls, you're working with businesses and brands and individuals, how do you decide who doesn't get your time? Yeah, great question. <clears throat> I should probably say no more often, but I just had this conversation with Sarah a couple weeks ago. I feel like so many of the opportunities that have come to me in my life have been because I have said yes so often and I've added like incremental value for so many, both on social media and in person, that I occupy this very small part of a lot of people's minds so that when Jenny and Jack are in New York City and they're talking about this new brand they're starting up, I'm top of mind as the person they reach out to. So I'm careful not to say no too often because I want to add value. A, I love it. I love you know sharing things that have benefited me so much that I hope can benefit others. And B, I know it just comes back to me. So by saying yes often and you know, social media, I can touch a lot of people with one post now. So, you know, that's an easy way for me to add a little, little bit of value for many and kind of be, again, like just occupy this small piece of a lot of people's minds so that when something comes their way, they think of me for it. But when it comes to saying no, I know the things I want to do every day to progress. So I'm working out every single day. I have my workouts. Like I'm, I'm never really going to say yes to a uh, morning volleyball session, even though it sounds fun. Like I want to train for 90 minutes in a CrossFit gym because that is going to help me with progression to a fuel my day. I know that my CrossFit 
gym sessions are so much for like mental, emotional, and physical well-being. And B, I want to progress in the sport. So I have to focus on that. And then same with mountain biking or zone two aerobic training. I typically sign up for at least one endurance race every single year. And I know that I have to back my, I have to backtrack my way into overcoming that obstacle. So I have to train purposely for it. And I like progress. I like doing things where I feel like I'm progressing instead of just kind of going through the motions and burning calories. I would rather pick something where there's progress. So I typically only say yes to things where I know that there's going to be progress. And I also only say yes to things where I know I'm either giving value and or getting value. If I don't feel like it's a good fit, then I'll say no to things like that. I'll say no to those types of conversations. Um, I'll say no to those types of opportunities. I want to make sure that I'm fulfilled and I'm fulfilling someone else in what I say yes to. So that's one of the big barometers as well. And you know, I'm fortunate that much of my following has come from the content that I put out. So I don't have a following from fame. I've never been on a TV show or anything that made me famous. It's really just been from compounding consistencies of putting content out every single day for 15 years. So that's what the following is from. And with that comes people who are genuinely interested in, in what I'm doing every day. They're interested in my wellness practices. They're interested in my journey. They're interested in my diet, recovery, how I've built businesses, how I do brand deals. So those are the types of people that are generally reaching out to me and asking me questions. It's not from fame where someone, you know, just wants to spend time with me because I was on TV. Yeah. And there's so much to break down with everything that you're talking about. Something that I think goes unseen as you're doing all of this and you're talking about providing value and receiving value is how you're doing that in like micro moments. And I think unless you hang around someone like Eric, you don't necessarily know what I'm talking about. But if you get in a car with you, like say we're going, you're going to the workout in the morning, getting that CrossFit workout in because you know it's going to set the tone for your day. What I witnessed from you is you're either on a longer call with somebody or you're calling two or three people or you're adding micro instances of value and receiving value in moments where most people I think just let slip by throughout the day. Are you cognizant of yourself doing that? Because I don't think a lot of people are, but I see you and you're just like on auto drive, but are you cognizant of those little times that, and what I would consider free time for most people that you're adding and receiving value in those moments? Definitely. I mean, I've, I've been compounding this now for long enough that I'm just hyper productive throughout the day. Like I'm not consuming it all throughout the day. And all I really need is that 60 minute mountain bike ride every single day to, just kind of reset my nervous system and to recharge my social battery. But outside of that, I'm executing, you know, all day, most days. And then I have 45 minutes in the evenings where I consume some content and try to learn something. And then I also, most of what I learn is coming from others. It's the conversations I'm having with people. It's the time I'm spending with people in saunas. That's a lot of what my news is. It's coming from those conversations with people and that's where I'm learning and that's where I feel most fulfilled. And I've also figured out hacks to, to be more productive, like video messages. Uh, if I'm with someone and 
you know, my mind says, wow, I have to connect CJ with Noah, Jack, and, and Ross. I'll just do it immediately. I'll send a video message on the spot. I'll be like, hey, I'm with CJ right now. Ross, I think you'd benefit greatly from meeting CJ. He has a podcast. You know, you're trying to start a podcast. You two guys should connect. I'll send that video message off. And then I'll do that again for Noah. I'll introduce you to Noah. So I do that a lot throughout the day. And that way I, I just get it done. I'm not adding to my to-do list. I'm just getting it done throughout the day so that my to-do list doesn't just stack up to the point where I don't do any of it because I promise too many things and I can't deliver on them. Yeah. So you're reducing the amount of friction ultimately by just like doing it when it's the least amount of friction where it's exactly. like you think about it and then you're just like, I'm just going to get this thing done. And it's honestly the same with social media. You know, I created a reel right after that on it workout. I had an idea of what I thought could be a good reel and I just put it out immediately after. So I generally don't let perfection get in the way of execution. I execute very fast, sometimes to a fault, but I feel like the times I fall are worth more than if I just sought perfection all the time, because I wouldn't get a lot done if I just constantly sought perfection. So I try to get them done in a way where I feel like, again, it's adding value um, it's evoking emotion. It's getting it out there. Same with the, you know, the connections I make. Could I sit down and write, you know, a five paragraph email of like your whole backstory and all of that? Sure. But I've done this enough to know that the benefit is coming from the connection. You guys can talk about the backstory. All I need to do is make that connection, tell a little bit about why I think it's going to be beneficial. And I've done it enough times to know that very rarely do I ever make a bad connection. So, you know, I just get it done quick and I do kind of the minimal required effort to make it happen well. Minimal required effort to make it happen and be done well. That is something that I think a lot of people can take from this episode and also the the perfection and execution. What's interesting though, is you mentioned when we first got on here, how you want to learn more about long form and getting into long form. That has been the toughest thing for me to deal with, with long form. Cause I operate under, again, I, I, I didn't grow up thinking like, I want to do social media. It was more like, I want to thrive on life. And I'm just going to like put up quick clips of who I'm around, what I'm doing, where I'm at and see where it goes. And then man, YouTube has been a whole different beast where it's, you start thinking like, damn, I, if I create a 15 minute video, I got to capture, how do I capture their attention for 15 minutes? Like one minute is one thing, but then this 15 minutes, it's, then you start thinking, well, to even get them to click on the video, I got to like make this thumbnail and all these different little intricate things, uh, that go into it. So it's been, it's been a pretty interesting experiment and I'm looking forward to seeing how you kind of go about that and would love to chat about that offline. But you also mentioned, when you first jumped on here that you want to be known in the brand space and the business building space. And one thing that I always try to do on my podcast is tailor conversations to shine a light on things that might not get seen by other people. And if that's the area that you want to be known for, where you want to go into, it's something I think that not enough people know how well versed you are in business and brand building. And I would love to spotlight that here today as we transition into the back half of this conversation the first question I have in in that arena is what do you think has separated the best brands that you've worked with over the ones that don't seem to to get it or make it? Because you've done this for a very long time and you've been around the block and there's definitely been some that have just fallen off the face of the earth and there's been some that have, have risen. What do you think, if you could 
dial into what are the ingredients for the recipe of surviving, I would say, five, 10 years to make it into a business that's worth either selling or going to be a, a hundred year business. What do you think is that mold? The best businesses have found product market fit. The best businesses are, you feel a certain way from using their products or services, mm -hmm. something like ice barrel where you feel a certain way when you get into cold water you know, they're not selling an ice barrel per se. They're selling that feeling that you want day in and day out. I'll, I'll just keep using Ice Barrel as an example because I think they're they're a prime one. Their operator, Wyatt, is amazing. He is incredible at executing. He's incredible at building a team. He's incredible at staying laser-focused on his goal of getting more people to get colder and feel better. And he just laser-focused on that. That's really all he thinks about. Uh, he So operator is a huge part of it. Building a community is a huge part of it, and especially for staying power, making people feel like you're a part of something. 10,000 did a great job at that of having all of these people who were thought leaders within their community, respected in their community, but also relatable. And you know, people bought into that, like I'm relatable. Michael Chernow is relatable. Brian Mazza is relatable. All of us are relatable. We're not you know, six foot eight professional NBA players that, you know, a lot of people just can't relate to, you know, we're, we're relatable. We've just, you know, spent lots of, we've spent, we've spent 10,000 hours doing something to get good at something. That's, that's all we are. Uh, the other keys are partnering with the right third-party service providers that you might not be as good at. So partnering with an amaz amazing growth agency, someone who really understands how to spend your marketing dollars and put the right ads in front of the right people. That's a huge part of it. Early on, forming the company around the right thought leaders. So, you know, Huberman is a great example of this where, you know, AG1, partner with Huberman. You know, that's great product market fit. And he has incredible, he has incredible influence in that space. So partner with the talking heads that have the same product market fit as your, your product or service and they're thought leaders in your vertical space. Um, and then, you know, to grow from there, dollars, um, those are the biggest keys that, that I've seen in the companies that really succeed. How do you decide what companies to invest your time, money, and energy into? So investing my time is different than investing my money, which is different than investing other people's money. So mm -hmm. investing my time in companies are going to be, is it good product market fit for me? Do I have a relationship with the founder of the company? Can I provide ROI for them, return on their investment? And is it something I think my audience would be receptive to? And is it something that I'm using on a regular basis? Generally, that's an earlier stage wellness company. That's where I have product market fit. And that can be in apparel, that can be in supplements, that can be in recovery, that can be in a lot of lifestyle, that can be in a lot of different verticals. But, you know, that's really where I stay with I'm doing business with someone. If I'm investing, then, you know, I want all of those things amplified. And I also want to see customer acquisition costs. I want to see their retention I want to see, is it a product or service that makes you feel a certain way? Is it sticky? Is it a, subs a subscription service? Those are things that I would invest in. And then will I help raise money for them and send this off and do an SPV? You know, that's 
sending it to my business partner and founders only, Seth, and him looking at the numbers from being in the private equity background and saying, yeah, this is a company financially that can make it happen. You know, they're growing at this rate, they have this run rate, they have this customer acquisition cost. He's like analyzing them and comparing them to the thousands of deals that he's seen that have been successful. So that's what we'll look at if we're raising money for a company. I love that. And I love how organized you are in your thoughts of where you're going to spend your time, energy, and money. It's something that I think anybody can benefit, even if you're not thinking about uh, investing necessarily money in companies. But I think a lot of people don't understand, even going back to how you're breaking down your days, like your time is money. So understanding where you're putting that time into and when it comes to different brands and different brand deals you're having, I love your response of how you want to know the founder and you want to know who's behind that. I think a lot of people don't do that. They're not trying to build the relationship and it's something that you're just so good at. And it's a word that I wanted to touch on community. I think it's a trending word with all these brands and how you mentioned for staying power, these brands building community since you've been doing that and just absolutely crushing it, what do you think separates the different brands that create that staying power in that community versus the ones that say they're trying to do it? What is that secret ingredient that ensures that it actually happens? So this is something else I wanted to say in the last part of our conversation that I think translates into this is relationships matter most and authenticity massively matters. And also like for me, perfect days matter more than making more money. So I look at those things as that's what I want to form my day around. And if I can figure out how to monetize it, amazing. On the brand side of things, the same holds true. So authenticity is going to separate those from those just trying to make money and just trying to be transactional and relationships, you know, like the, I met Pete who owns Sisu Sauna by him flying out to my house and building a sauna for me, I was like the fifth sauna that he had sold. And instantly I'm like, he fucking cares. Like he is going to build a brand. He is going to build a business. He cares so much about delivering an amazing experience for people. So he was one where I'm like, I got to work with you, Pete. Like we let's take this baby to the moon. So Pete's an example of someone who he understands authenticity. He does it himself. He loves sauna culture. He loves the community aspect of it. And he wants to put that in more people's homes so they can experience the massive compounding benefits beyond physical, mental, and emotional benefits of sauna. The community benefits of sauna are really where I think it's at. So yeah, they're, they're really good at relationships. They're really good at authenticity. The founder kind of lives and breathes exactly what product or service they're selling. And you know, then from that, they figure out who to partner with that can amplify that message. So with Pete, I introduced him to Brian Mazza early on, Nick Bear early on, Neen Williams, Grant McCartney. And, you know, through the five of us, we were able to really expand the brand early on and get that messaging out of like, hey, we're using this amazing sauna every single night. You know, we can preach the science about it, but ultimately we're doing it because we feel amazing and we're able to host people in this way, they leave with this incredible memory and feeling of just feeling better. So, you know, he was one of the ones where he's, he's doing it right. He believes in all of those things. He lives and breathes it, hired the right people to generate awareness around the same things that he lives and breathes. 
And then, you know, it just comes down to how do you replicate that at scale? How do you use that marketing content and get it in front of more people where there's massive product market fit? And Pete continues to fly around building. I mean, he flew here when we drove into Austin to build our sauna here. And I mean, every week he's traveling and he's building a sauna for someone and he doesn't have to do that. But A, he loves it. That That's his primary motive. And B, I'm sure he knows that that is going to come back. That's leaving a memorable impression for people. And memorable impressions are what ultimately are going to build a long-lasting company. If you leave, you know, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of memorable impressions in people's minds, you're going to have a company that stays around for as long as you want until you sell it. Living it. That's what it, it just reminds me of like living it. I mean, that's why I built a studio in my house. It was, it wasn't even about like, I love having conversations with you and all the guests that I have on here, but I absolutely love just having conversations in general. And my wife, Erin, we sit here and have conversations every week on the podcast. And that's been one of the most fulfilling things is as soon as I put it in my house, it was, it gave us this outlet to just do that. And she loves it. And then I've done it with friends and family members and to the uh, Peter story, you got that sauna and then you connected with him and then I bought that sauna. And now like people, the funny thing about when he flew in to build it here in Austin, he, uh, he texted me that day and he's like, you just sold another sauna. He's like, what a coincidence. So on the day he was flying into Austin, like somebody bought a sauna using my code. And the funny thing is like, I don't even know, like I've sold multiple saunas uh, and I don't even know who's buying them or where they're coming from or whatever because I just use it's just all my content. So tying this whole concept together of of media and brand building and 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 community, it's when I think about it, it's more people are sitting in the sauna creating the same type of experiences that you're producing right now in Austin solely because we're just talking about it and sharing it and documenting. It. So co- coming full circle on this whole conversation I'd love to highlight how, yes, Peter's living it and he has this this product, but what you've been able to do is live it and bring all these different products and services together. And I think that is such a unique thing because if we go back 20, 30, 40 years when it comes to marketing and advertisement, I don't think brands were as collaborative as they are now. And something you've done is kind of like pulled the shades down and invited people over no matter what industry they're in, sometimes even competitors and said, we can kind of all, we can all not just survive, but, but thrive. And when you were conceiving the concept to come here in Austin, what did you originally want to give and get out of the experience that I get to witness every single day with a bunch of people going over there? I mean, the biggest thing for me is meeting new people. I love meeting new people, and I also love cultivating relationships. So allowing for people to meet each other and then them go off and form something from it, a friendship, a business relationship, whatever. I love seeing that happen. So, you know, that was the number one intention. I've really found so much fulfillment from doing that in Colorado and, you know, even back in in Syracuse before I went to Colorado. And then as far as what I wanted to get out of it, I wanted to see if I could have my perfect days here. That's the number one priority for me. I wanted to make sure that Sarah loved it here and that she was having you know, great friendships and her perfect days here. And then I want to learn. I love learning. I'm obsessed with progress. For me, progress equals happiness. If I don't really feel like I'm progressing in life, that's when I'm the least happy and the least content. 
So I knew that by coming here, it was going to yield progress. I was going to meet people in this space of long form content. I was going to meet other CPG brands. I was going to meet wellness investors. I was going to meet creators and watch, you know, how they're building their content and their channels. Um, I was going to meet the people behind the scenes that are doing all of the editing. I was going to meet the third party service providers that do the growth marketing. And, you know, all of that, maybe I can't absorb all of it, but at least I have friendships now with all of these people where when needed, I can call upon them or I can also allow them to thrive for my network. I can introduce them to people where they win and the brands I work with win. So it was really that meeting lots of new people that would allow for progress and that would allow for relationships to form. And all of this, I guess, in the grand scheme of things is literally just building this tribe, this really cool tribe that we all get to be a part of. Cause I think that's what makes all of us really tick is feeling like we're a part of something and that we're progressing in life. Yeah. Before this episode, Eric's talking about how he's trying to get people to buy houses all on the same street and essentially create that tribe that you're talking about. I love that. And I can definitely see it happening. It's already, it's our, it, it is already happening. And I'm sure you're inspiring other people out there to do a similar thing, which is what we need more of, more people just supporting each other. Over the past year, what is what has been a brand that has caught your eye? And maybe you've been working with them or uh, advising for them, but like there's some of the bigger brands I've seen you work with for a while now, but what has been, I, I can also add in a founder of that brand, what has been one that kind of stuck out to you and you're, you're excited for going into 2024? I mean, of all the brands I'm working with right now, the one growing the fastest is probably Try Create, Creatine Gummies. Um, I think there's this whole category of supplements as snacks, supplements tasting good, not just your conventional, you know, putting powder and checking the box of getting your supplements in. You know, I think kind of like enjoying your supplements is becoming this this new trend. So yeah, of all the brands I'm working with right now, they're the ones who are growing the fastest. Um, I mean, closely followed by many others. HVMN is doing absolutely incredible. It's been cool to watch them over the last year and a half just really explode on the direct consumer and now retail side of things. And, you know, they're extending beyond the early adopters now too. And I love, I love Michael Brandt's mind. He's the co-founder of HVMN and he's studying Gatorade. He's studying the brands that, you know, blew up in the past and how they did that and what like little subliminal marketing messages like Gatorade, you know, having their branding on the cups of collegiate players drinking that, that they didn't have to pay for. All they did was they supplied the cups. So, you know, he thinks of little things like that and he wants to be not like Gatorade, but he wants to be a household name. And I think he's going to do it. Like he has that mind and I think he'll figure out the messaging and that product where he becomes that new product where you feel a certain way with no consequences. I think that's one of the biggest trends for the next five years is consuming things, doing things, interacting with people, being in environments where you are benefiting, you're feel, you feel a certain way, and there's no consequences to it. Whereas on the other side of things, I think things where there are massive consequences to what you consume are gonna go by the wayside. Alcohol in particular is one of those things that I'm very bearish on. I think that over the next 10 to 15 years, that alcohol is going to become deemed more similar to cigarettes than 
you know, obviously it, I had a chapter where I consumed alcohol, but I just think there's so many consequences to it that that's going to fade away. And more of these products in the category of they make you feel a certain way with no consequences are really going to explode on the scene. I love how you said that. I've actually haven't heard it put in the way of make you feel a, a certain way, which typically is great without a consequence to it. And that's really what got me away from alcohol is trying different supplements and different ways of living life, sauna, the ice and feeling a certain way and being like, holy shit, I can feel like I'm on top of the world almost for 14 to 16 to 18 hours a day. Why would I introduce this substance into my body that like takes away from that? And I think more and more people to your point are just going to, we're, we just live in a day and an age where the technology is there to create products that help you feel great and maybe boost your confidence a little bit like alcohol would or help you in certain ways that people utilize alcohol for, but they don't have that consequence the next day, two days, three days. And then obviously in the long run, that was one of the reasons I cut it out was I don't want to die. Like I want to prolong my life, not um, reduce it. So we're going into 2024. And it's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on before the end of the year. We did it at the end of 2021 and you're just you just inspire the heck out of so many people out there. But if people are watching from the outside, it's like, why is he doing it? And what, what is that North star goal? Um, so before we get to the North star and like, where do you hope to be 20 years out, 30 years out for 2024, you mentioned that you like progress and you like working towards things when it comes to both fitness and brand building the business side, do you have any like specific goals in mind that you're working towards? On the fitness side, I would love to get to the CrossFit Games. I was very close last year in my age group. So, you know, I'm definitely gunning for that this year. And then Leadville Mountain Bike Race is something I do every year. That's kind of that big, scary obstacle that I have to backtrack my way into overcoming. So those are on the fitness side. Ultimately, though, I'm doing it because I feel good day in and day out, you know, in my training session this morning, I wasn't thinking about making it to the CrossFit games. I was thinking about how great I was going to feel afterwards and the camaraderie and the high fives after our workout. That's more of what I think about on a regular basis. And then on the business side of things, it's more in-person stuff. Uh, these founders only retreats I've really, really enjoyed. You came to the last one, yeah, it was Cactus awesome. Clouds in Palm Springs. So I really enjoy curating like-minded people where the sum is greater than the parts. And just by putting people in a setting where their endorphins are racing and they can more easily bond with each other with no consequences and they'll all benefit from meeting each other. Everyone's adding value. That's what I really enjoy doing. So I plan on doing at least four of those founders only retreats in 2024. Um, and I mean, Sarah and I do in-person stuff pretty much weekly at this point between community workouts and in Colorado, jumping in cold streams and community rocks and runs. And so I'm, I'll do those on a regular basis. Again, I just love meeting new people all the time and bringing new people into the circle and allowing for those people to form bonds with current network and, and new network so that they benefit, everyone benefits from it. So those are the big goals for 2024. And then the house that we're building here in Austin, super excited to build that as this experiential social wellness place where we reside and we can do brand activations there. We can host community events there. We can host people nightly with the contrast therapy and pool. And also I'm looking at doing a podcast studio and I'm very inspired by your podcast studio here. Yeah, definitely want to get in that conversation once you do get up and running and help you out in that arena because um, 
this was really fun to build. This is probably the third one that I've built, helped out with the Squatch one as well. Uh, little, little tidbit here. I've had multiple people reach out to me about my studio and like using uh, this studio because of the lighting and how it's bright and it makes you almost feel alive versus um, I love the Squatch, the, the radio room at Squatch as well, but it's dark. And a lot of the other studios like Pouch studio, 6 Studio is also dark and I've had multiple people reach out. So when you're considering building that studio, like definitely consider the lighting of the vibe of like when the person just walks through the room, what do you want them to feel? That was something that I'd thought through prior. Um, and I wanted to make it feel like you're just like, we're like on a spaceship. Um, so I, I think I hit that pretty good. And when you're talking about the different goals and uh, what you're talking about, the CrossFit games, uh, Ty had mentioned to me, like, didn't something happen um, where like they miscalculated and you didn't yeah, tell, run me through that. Cause I haven't, I didn't even know that. Like, I just, I knew you were, sh you were gunning for it, but I, this is how like both driven, but how much humility Eric has. Like he, I didn't even know that something kind of got like taken from you that you really care about. And you just like, keep going, like it never even existed. So I'd, I'd love to hear it from your, from your side, what actually happened. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't really identify as a CrossFit athlete. You know, I'm a guy who likes to work out a lot, who happens to be pretty good at CrossFit. So that was why you didn't hear about it as I'm generally not broadcasting my life. Pretty damn good at it. <laughs> really good at it. So which is awesome. I, uh, I got to quarterfinals. I think I finished 14th in the, in the open in my age group. And then in quarterfinals, I finished 20th. But when they reviewed the videos, one of the videos, my judge mismeasured a tape line. And, you know, it's also my fault for not really looking at the, the layout and making sure that we did everything correctly. You know, he had done a great job of just setting up everything for me. And I just kind of let him run with it. And it literally was an inch and a half. He measured to the front of a tape line for handstand pushups instead of the back of the tape, tape line for handstand pushups. So they assessed me a... 15% uh, penalty of reps. And that dropped me from 20th in quarterfinals to 50th in quarterfinals. And the top 30 go on to semifinals <sighs> and then the top 10 go to the games. So I still had one more stage where I was going to have to get top 10 to get there. But this year in 2024, they've redone things. The CrossFit masters competition is going to take place two or three weeks after the individual CrossFit games athletes. And I believe they're taking upwards of 40 in each age group. So, I mean, that really puts me in the mix for this year. And that'll, the season will start in late February. Quarterfinals, I think, will be in late March. Semifinals in April. And the CrossFit Games are in August. So, yeah, I would be stoked if, if I got there. I mean, I've been, I've been doing CrossFit since 2009, 2010 is probably when I took my first CrossFit class. And then, you know, triathlon definitely was front and center for me. I focused on that from 2010 until 2015. And then 2015 to 2017, 18, I was kind of flowing between the two. I was still doing a lot of running and a lot of biking and certainly doing strength training and CrossFit. And then 2019, 2020 is where I really backed off specifically on the running and started really progressing in, in strength, which has always been my weakness of getting to the CrossFit games is just being strong enough to compete with the top guys. So, I mean, now I'm there. My lifts are what the top Dude, guys you are, lifts are impeccable. Like the, you made me change my view on CrossFit by how you lift, because I mean, it, to a lot of people, CrossFit will get a bad, bad rap for 
how people go about doing it and uh, not focusing, I would say, on the recovery and the, the health and wellness side that Eric is so good at. But watching you lift is just like you, it's almost like uh, the brick by brick mentality. It's like you can tell that you've just focused so heavily on like doing mastering a rep and then compounding that over time. And then the weight has been increased as you've mastered each rep. It's, it's really cool to watch and it's changed the way that I've viewed like even my own goals one day. Um, I never thought I would ever think about joining like a CrossFit gym until I watched how you actually lift, which is, which is really cool. And just a testament to you. Um, what are the age group? I didn't even, what are the age groups for CrossFit? Yeah, age group starts at 35, so 35 to 39, 40 to 44, 45 to 49, and then just keep going up into your 70s, but four-year increments, and there are some people in the 35 to 39 age group that could go individual, like Sam Dancer, he won his age group 35 to 39 last year, and I bet he could have competed with the individuals under 35. So at that age group, they still could be competitive with the individual competitors. But, you know, once you get it into your 40s, most of those, none, none of those guys are going to be able to to make it as an individual competitor. Just so not strong enough. It's really the- What do you strength. what do you mean by individual? Just so people Individual understand. competitor would be the top 50 in the world. Just top 50 coming out of uh, quarterfinals, semifinals, you know, not respective of age, just the top guys. Yeah. They're, and, I mean, it's a professional sport yeah, at this point. It's, like they're training five hours a day. You yeah. know, they're training ridiculous hours. They have a gymnastics coach. They have a strength coach. They have an aerobic coach. They have the anaerobic coach. I mean, they're, they're surrounding themselves with professionals at all levels. It's really become a professional sport. It's not just like you can work out a bunch and show up at the CrossFit Games and do pretty well. It's like you got to specialize just like a gymnast at the Olympics would have to specialize. Yeah, it's pretty insane to watch um, when it is going on. And that's why it's just like even more seeing you and everything else that you do on top of that uh, is something that I think people can take value from is just like how much you're packing into a day of like training like that, which gets to my next question of that North star goal of like you are in your forties and you're, you're training for the CrossFit games and you have uh, certain business goals in mind. But at the end of the day, it's all about the life that we live and where we want to end up. And for, for you, is that something that's top of mind frequently of like, what the rest of your life looks like and what that North star goal is, or are you just really just focused on today and, and what I'm getting done today? Yeah. I feel like I've gone through various phases of this where I was thinking a lot about the future or I was thinking a lot about kind of the end goal, like in the Ironman years, I certainly was thinking about Kona. I was watching Kona on TV when I was biking and I was thinking about Kona when I was running, just kind of visualizing being there and that I was good enough to be there but the last six years of my life have really been just based around perfect days, figuring out my perfect day and then figuring out who I want to be around, what environments I want to be in, what I want to be doing each day, what types of conversations I want to be having, who I want to do business with and what yields happiness for me. So I'm still very much in that chapter of I'm living perfect days and I've done this long enough to know that replicating perfect days lead to amazing outcomes and they lead to opportunity generation. So I'm, I'm running with that right now for this chapter of my life. And, you know, at some point I'm sure that'll change as I age, I'm sure I'll start thinking more about, you know, things I want to accomplish and, 
you know, things that I just must do before, before death. But right now it's much more about just replicating perfect days and being where I want to be, being around people I want to be with and doing business with the people I want to be doing business with. Love that rep by rep. We're getting close to wrapping up here. And before we get into the kind of the wrap up of this show, you had mentioned the founders retreats and other things that you're doing. One of the things I always try and do is just connect people through this podcast. So I'd love for you to do two things. Um, we have a founders retreat coming up in Austin, correct? Yeah, February 26th until February 28th. Awesome. So if you're interested, I've been to the one in California. I'll be dropping by the one here in Austin um, and potentially going to one or two of the other ones when they're outside of Austin next year. I highly recommend them. So if you're building a brand or a business and you want to get connected with a lot, a ton of other like-minded individuals, like it was so worth it. I'm, I'm friends with 10 10 new people now and talk to them pretty frequently at this point. And that's thanks to Eric and a couple of other guys that helped set that up. Um, so definitely check that out. And then I'd love for you to talk about any other places. Like you mentioned, you're going to Wadapalooza. Where, where are some places that you're going at the beginning of the year that maybe somebody else out there that's listening that if they wanted to show up to the event and come say, say what's up, uh, they know that you're going to be there. Obviously they can do that. Yeah. I'll be in Florida for most of January. So I'll be at Wadapalooza, which is, whatever the weekend around January 8th, 9th, 10th is. And then Tampa HPLT, Brian Mazza's High Performance Lifestyle Training. I'll be at that event that following weekend in Tampa. And then the following weekend, I'll be back in Miami for the Miami Marathon, doing the half marathon with 10,000 with a weight vest. And then Ohio for the Ice Barrel Retreat. I don't know how many people are in Sugar Creek, Ohio, which is Amish country, Ohio, but I'll be there for four or five days with Wyatt and the Ice Barrel crew and Sarah. And then I head to Kauai. If anyone's listening and they're in Kauai, I'll be uh, with Laird Hamilton and his crew at XPT doing some XPT training uh, February 6th until like the 10th in Kauai. And then I think I'll be back in Denver for a week, week and a half. And then back to Austin for latter February, South by Southwest March, various events in Austin in March. And then we're still trying to decide what we're going to do in April, if we'll be in Austin or we'll head back to Colorado for the summer. Hell yeah. And then if you, if you're hearing this, Eric is very active on social media. So if you're not going to be on any of those events, but you'd like to connect with him and you love this episode and when I connect with him, what's your social handle that they can connect with you at? My name, Eric Hinman. Hell Yeah makes it easy. At the end of every episode, I ask the guest, what does thriving mean to them? The definition, but Eric's already answered this question. So what I'm going to ask you instead is somebody that's going into 2024 and they're just looking to get started on their health and wellness journey or their business. What is your advice for somebody that's looking to get started on something and they might be feeling a little bit stuck right now? Movement is medicine. I mean, that was the pillar of everything for me was once I dialed in functional training. So a combination of strength training, anaerobic conditioning, aerobic conditioning, I started to become the best version of myself and other things started to fall into place. I made better eating decisions. I made better friendship decisions. I made better conversational decisions. I made better sleeping decisions. I made better recovery decisions and opportunities started coming to me because I was just exuding so much energy and passion and purpose in my life. So if you're not moving and moving often, that is the number one thing I would tell people to do is it's brought me so many opportunities into my life. And there's a million forms of movement. It doesn't have to be slogging away in a treadmill. You know, it's CrossFit gym, playing tennis, playing pickleball, hiking, running, there's biking. There's so many different ways to move and get that 
that high that is going to set you up for success the rest of the day. Hell of a way to end this episode. I appreciate you for jumping on here today. I know your time is extremely valuable. So coming by and and kicking it with me is very much appreciated. At the end of every show, I kind of dial into what was my biggest takeaway. And it goes back to the very beginning. It's something that I don't think anybody else would really catch on to because you were just saying it subtly. It was, what do you want to be known for? And I think it's a question that a lot of us might have asked us ourselves before, but we're not really dialing into like, who do we want to become so that other people know of us as that person? And that takes decades of showing up like that. And you're somebody that does that day in and day out. And it helps you say no to other things in life. Like you'd mentioned where if someone invites you to volleyball in the morning, like, yeah, that's cool. And that would be fun, but it doesn't actually help me become who I want to become for what I want to be known for. And going into 2024, as I'm reevaluating my own life, I think that's a great question for me to ask myself is how do I continue to dial into what do I want to be known for even further and carrying on with that. So I appreciate that. And if you were listening to this and you valued the conversation that I had here with Eric and you think somebody else can value it as well, please share it with them. That's the best thing you can do for us. Give us that five-star rating and review and I'll chat with you next time. This is CJ Finley with the Thrive on Life podcast. Thrive on y'all. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive on Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive on Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.